Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, April the 27th, 2022. It is currently 3.18 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live two stories above a street right here in Abilene, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. It feels it, it feels almost normal again. It, it really messed me up. The For those who do not know, um, on Monday, I, I had to go to jury selection. I got chosen to be a part of a jury, had to be a part of the trial. Then uh, late afternoon yesterday, uh, we had to hand down our verdict, and it was I did an entire podcast episode about it. It was crazy, and it just really just kind of it just made it messed everything up. I, I felt all out of sorts. I tried to do two live broadcasts yesterday. When I was done with both of them, I felt like, man, that just it just did not feel right. So I, I apologize for that. But at least today, everything feels back to normal. It's Wednesday, so you know what that means. We're going to do as many live broadcasts as we can between now and time for me to get ready to go to the church. Then I will drive out to Victory Baptist Church in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And then tonight, well, Bible study exercise time at Victory Baptist Church. Back to Matthew chapter 24, considering that chapter from the view of preterism or a preterist perspective on Matthew chapter 24. Hopefully you'll join us. That will be obviously streaming live. And of course, if you'd like to listen to all of our programs live, the Spreaker app or the Church One app, Church O-N-E. Now remember, the Church One app is a generic app. So when you download the Church One app, you won't see Theology Central. You'll have to search for Theology Central. Then select us as your as your broadcaster of choice. And then it basically becomes the Theology Central app. So Church O-N-E you get, well, just check it out. I think it'll be worth your time and hopefully it'll be beneficial. I'm hoping the person who asked me the, uh, sent the email asking me about Luke, was it Luke 22? I hope yesterday's discussion was satisfactory. I hope. I, I didn't get a response back, so I I don't know how to interpret silence, but I hope it was. When it was finished, I wasn't completely happy with it, mainly because I was just so out of sorts from the trial, but I felt like I needed to respond to it as soon as possible. And if it, if if you weren't happy with the answer, then let me know. Now, if you're not happy because you just don't like my answer, okay, if you felt like that I missed this or I didn't talk about this or didn't discuss this, let me know. And by, by I mean, obviously... I will, you know, I will turn on the microphone and uh, do another uh, live broadcast, working my best to answer the question, uh, well, any question that you may have, but uh, to definitely, hopefully, give you a satisfactory answer in regards to your question from the Gospel of Luke. And I, I don't know if it was Luke 22 now. I'd have to go find the email. But somewhere in the Gospel of Luke, hopefully that was beneficial, all right? But why not here to talk about all of that? No. Here to talk about something very interesting. Let me let me set this up. Yesterday afternoon, um, we were given. For, I was a part of the trial, as I've already explained. I was part of jury duty, and we we reached a point where they gave us an extended lunch. I think I think it turned into about two hours, maybe two and a half hours. So I ran home, got some food, and then I got back as early as possible. But when I got back, I just sat in the car. 
in the parking lot at the Taylor County Courthouse. And I grabbed my phone. I immediately went to the Sermons 2.0 app. I opened up my, my feed, and the first thing I saw, I hit play. And because of what I heard sitting in my car in the parking lot at the Taylor County Courthouse in Abilene, Texas, we're going to talk about it. Again, it's one of the wonderful things we have available to us. Again, the Sermons 2.0 app. We can talk about the Sermons.net app, the Edify Christian Podcast app. We have all of these things just right there on our phones just to give us spiritual food whenever we're in a situation where maybe we can't pull out a Bible and do a full Bible study. So I just, I opened up the Sermons 2.0 app, went to my feed, refreshed it there. And the very first thing that popped up was the following. So we're going to listen to a little bit of it. It's short. It's only like three minutes long, but it got me thinking. And I I want you to think about this as well. It'll be interesting. I think we're all going to end up with, uh, well, varying... (laughs) perspectives on this. I think there may be an inherent danger with this idea, or maybe there's not a danger. You you can tell me, but here we go. This is what I heard yesterday afternoon, again, sitting in my car in the parking lot, Taylor County Courthouse in Abilene, Texas, while I was waiting back to to go back upstairs to the jury room uh, to begin uh, the trial again that I was a part of yesterday. Are you ready? I'm not even going to tell you the name of it or anything. We're just going to play this. Now, they do have kind of their intro music. I skipped 13 seconds of their intro music because I don't know if their intro music is copyrighted or anything like that. Especially when you start dealing with music, people get really, you know, copyright issues get really, really serious. So um, I I skipped all of that, but there's going to be a little bit of it because they come in over the music. They come in over the music. Now it's, the music is a little loud and it's kind of kind of all jumbled together, but I at least wanted you to hear the beginning of it. Um, Basically, it looks like that this individual does a a morning devotion every day and puts it on uh, Sermon Audio, or Sermons 2.0, I should say, and uh, I I subscribe to it, and it's it's, uh, it's, it's only two or three minutes long. I don't know how the person is able to accomplish that. To me, that <laughs> I'm blown away by that. If I if I decided we're going to start a series while I do a, a an evening devotion every day, Monday through Friday, and that devotion will only be about three minutes or five minutes long, I I would have the best intentions. I promise you, I would have my, the best intentions that I'm going to do. I could not do that. Because I would feel like that as soon as I start, you know, okay, let's let's look at this scripture that, I mean, can can I deal with any scripture in two to three minutes? Can I even, it just feels like I, I just couldn't do it. I, it just, it, it's, it's almost impossible for me to look at any passage of scripture and spend less than one hour. But I'm, I'm glad other people can pull that off because at least it was, well, beneficial to me because I've got a notebook here. I'm still thinking about what they talked about yesterday. So uh, let's let's see. Let's see what you think. Let's see if you're as intrigued by this as I was. Here we go. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another morning devotion with Brother Mark, where we are walking together on our walk with Christ. Today's April the 26th, 2022. Well, today in my daily Bible reading in the Old Testament, I read the story of David and Bathsheba. I'm sure that's a common story for many of us. 2 Samuel 11.2 tells us that David saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was beautiful to look upon. 
Now I know there's many things that we could talk about. This. Okay, stop right here. Now, so he was doing, I guess he's doing some kind of a Bible reading plan. And he came to, in his Bible reading, which is really cool because he's doing his Bible reading and then he's using that as the material to do the morning, his morning devotional uh, program there for the Sermons 2.0 app. That, that, bringing it all together, that's, that's great. That's an awesome idea. So let's go to, uh, I'm going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, and I'm going to read it from the King James. 2, King, uh, 2, 2 Samuel, if I said 2 Kings, I apologize. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, and it came to pass in the evening tide that David rose from off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof, here's the key word, he saw, he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. He saw her washing herself, and the woman was beautiful to look upon. All right? That, that is the key phrase. Now, he, he said there was a lot we could talk about, but obviously he can't get to it in his devotional time, which is amazing. It's amazing to me that he's able just to say, hey, there's all these other issues, but we're going to ignore all of these issues and we're going to focus on this. I wish I could do that. I really do sometimes. But I I mean, I turn to that passage right now. They're like, I, I already want to just spend like four hours looking at all. I guess maybe I can do it, right, Kent? Maybe. I don't know. But if I was the one doing the devotional, I would have a hard time being able to pull that off. But I'm glad other people can do it. Here we go, though. What is obviously I've told you what's the key words. Let's see how he take these key these key words and he turns it into a very interesting a topical. I won't say it's a discussion because it's you know about three minutes long. He brings up an interesting topic that needs further discussion. Now he's gonna he has a clear perspective on it. And I'm not saying his perspective is not biblical in any way, shape, or form, but I love to take what may be a biblical concept and for us to take it apart and really chew on it and really think about it. All right, here we go. Situation, and we can't talk about all of them in this time we have for this devotion, but the point upon which I want to focus today is to be, is to be careful what you look upon. Be careful what you see. All right, so he wants to take this story and turn it into a discussion about us needing to be careful about what we look upon, that we need to be careful about what we see. And therefore, he entitled his uh, devotional, The Danger of Seeing. The Danger of Seeing. So that we have to be careful what we look upon Seemingly to give the idea that what we look upon can be the very trigger that creates the lust and the desire that leads to sin. So it's, don't look at this, don't look at this, don't look at that. And, and that's a very common mindset within the body of Christ. Let, let's see where he takes this. Again, he's only got like two minutes left here. Here we go. When I read this passage, immediately my mind went to Lot. He saw the well-watered plains, the Bible tells us. And because he saw the well-watered plains, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. 
Okay, now that I like the way he 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 takes this idea of saw and he and uh, of looking upon seeing something. He he gives us the example of David, and then he goes back to Lot, where Lot saw. Ooh, look at that property. That property is great. That property is wonderful. And the next thing you know, because of what he saw, he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Okay, that's an interesting cross-reference. Okay, I, I, I like, okay. And so I immediately started thinking, I, I won't tell you why. Okay, let, let, let's, I'll tell you in a minute. Here we go. And of course began the downward course of a lot. And many times temptations come to us through the eyes. We are tempted by what we see. So Lot saw the well-watered plains. David saw a woman washing herself, and she was beautiful to look upon. And because they saw, they made decisions that that led to difficult circumstances. So today in our walk with Christ, let's be careful about what we see. Let's be like Job who made a covenant with his eyes not to look upon a maid. Let's remind ourselves of the children's chorus. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Let's protect our eyes. Remember, the eyes are the lights of the soul, and what enters the eyes can enter the soul. So let's protect them. Now, this may not seem like an in-depth devotion, but it is an important one. If we do not realize the danger of seeing, we may end up in the same situation as David. He allowed what he saw to tempt him to sin. What he saw led him down a path which he did not anticipate. What he saw impacted him for the rest of his life. Difficulty came into his life because of what he saw. And he made some decisions that I'm sure he could have never imagined to have one of his most faithful servants, soldiers, killed in battle. It's amazing the place that David came to because of what he saw. So let's be careful. Let's understand the danger of seeing and understand we would be wise to be careful what we see. Heavenly Father, today... There you have it. And there's the entire devotional. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you look upon because that is... Well, everything. Now, this, in some ways, reminded me. So I did a couple of things. First thing I did, when I was sitting there in the car, I I, I had a notebook with me. So I just started trying to write down any passage that I like, okay, passages that would be, that would be, that would work well with this. Good cross references. Okay. They saw, they saw. And so I started writing them down. I have so far one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have 10 so far, and I got, I got from, I went from Genesis to Joshua, all right? I think, I think I ended up with 10. So now there's far more I could look at, but we'll, we'll look at them in a minute because I just think it's interesting. We will, we, we actually may begin right here in Second Samuels where we'll, we'll probably begin. I didn't even, I didn't even actually write down the references he gave in the devotional at the time. I just started thinking of all the other cross references. So that's one thing I started doing. I started thinking about, okay, other verses and we could go through all the verses where someone saw, someone looked upon, they saw this and boom, this is what happened. They saw this, this is what happened. They saw this. So I immediately started thinking of cross references. Then the second thing I started thinking about was that, as you know, if you've been paying any attention, there's been a massive, massive pushback 
against what we will refer to as the purity culture of the 1990s. The 1990s was in, in, within the church was a massive push on the purity culture, the purity culture. And after, once we got into the, probably starting around 2010, may have even started earlier, somewhere in the 2000s, actually probably around 2010, 2011, I, I would have to look up a date, but there, there started to be a pushback. Uh, and that pushback started to grow and grow and grow. And a lot of people said, hey, that whole purity culture thing, that was absolutely devastating to my life, to my marriage, to, to my ability to have any physical intimacy. It was horrible. It was, it was devastating. It was, it was not done very well. It, was, it gave bad concepts, bad principles. It led to a lot of wrong thinking, and there was a lot of condemnation of it. And that condemnation of purity culture continues even today. I've got, I think I've got an article saved right here in my notes and my iPad about the three problems with purity culture from a Christian website. Uh, There's been lots of just like, it was a mess. It was problematic. And within purity culture, there was a major emphasis, be careful what you look at. Be careful what you look at. Be careful what you look at. And so it was this idea that almost, and, and, and this is where a lot of pushback is, is that women were viewed as dangerous, right? And that women need to be extremely careful what they do because you don't want a guy to see and to look and to have a problem. Now, this became really kind of a pushback, right? So instead of placing the responsibility on the man, the responsibility was placed on the woman. And the woman had to be, you know, you know, I, I, who knows what she was supposed to do, walk around, I guess, in, a, you know, a, 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 like a conservative uh, Islamic woman with a hijab all the way down to the robe and that, you know, nothing could be seen because if a man saw anything, he was going to, he was going to be out of control and it was going to be his problem. So it was almost like a, a massive, like, hey, th- this is, this is wrong to the, how women are perceived. Women are viewed as the problem and the men are, are viewed as almost as the victim. And that's not fair. So there was almost a pushback where the woman would be like, hey, that's your problem, not my problem. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Is it an either or situation? Or is this a situation that could require maybe some thinking on both sides and how to do this? But so so I, I, I started thinking about it in light of the whole purity culture and all of the arguments and pushbacks going on within that right now, even within the evangelical world. But then I started thinking about it. Is and, and and you can just try to follow my logic here, okay? I'm, I'm now I'm asking questions. I'm not making a dogmatic assertion here, so I don't want immediately for people to start arguing with me. I'm just, I just love to I love to throw out different perspectives to get people thinking, right? So I want to take the, this little devotional got me thinking about all these things, and I just want to throw this out there. Do you think that the issue is simply? It, how can I say this? Is, is it possible that we oversimplify the complications of sin and temptation to simply reduce it to what we see and what we hear? Like, as hey, don't let the eyes see, don't let the eyes hear, or, or don't let the eyes see, don't let the ears hear. And if we can accomplish that, then we can overcome sin. That the key to overcoming sin is don't let your eyes see, don't let your ears hear, and dun da dun da da, you have spiritual victory. Now, my thinking is, 
I don't know if that's is, is that an accurate is that an accurate understanding of everything the Bible would have to say about us? Because I think we can agree it's not the eye, right? It's the depravity within. Now, is it possible that the eye and the ear can be utilized to entice, activate, make come alive the depravity in a certain direction, which creates the desire and the temptation? I, like, are, are we sure we have a, like, is it just like, don't see, because I think a lot of Christians, that's it, just don't see, don't hear, and, we, and we've solved everything. A lot of parents take this, as long as my kids don't hear it, as long as my kids don't see it, they're going to be okay. And then you find out that you've kept them away from seeing, you've kept them away from hearing, and guess what? The, dep- the issue wasn't what they saw. The issue wasn't what, it's not what comes into us that corrupts us. It's what's already in, the corruption is already inside. So how do we have a correct balance here? Like sometimes we just like, it's almost like as long as I don't hear it and see it, it's like, it's like the tempt, it's, it's almost like we place the, the, the sin problem is outside of us. And as long as we can keep it from getting inside of us, we'll be okay but to me, that's a that's a not a biblical understanding. The problem is inside of us. It's not that which is outside, it's that which is inside. So are we sure that we have a correct view of this? Because I think many Christian parents really think that the, the solution is just as long as the kids don't hear it, and as long as the kids don't see it, their kids are going to be okay. And it's like, no, you could lock your kids up in a monastery, never hear it, never see it. They're still going to demonstrate sin and ungodliness because it's inside of them. Now, I'm not saying that. So does that mean it doesn't matter what we look at? It doesn't matter. What, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, don't we have to start with a correct perspective first? That the corruption, we're not corrupted by what comes into us. We are corrupted by that which comes out of us. And that's the corruption that already lies within us because of our depravity. Now, because we have this depravity inside of us, then we have to ask ourselves, then what we hear or what we see, how does that entice or create a problem with the depravity that lies from within? That, that I think that's something. Now, look, let's make it very, this is very important. There may be disagreement and exactly how we process this concept. But I think it, it the, the disagreement, I think, comes from all well-meaning Christians who, who I think would all agree, we don't want to sin. We want to mortify the flesh. We want to stay away from it. We all want to stay away from it. I just think some people's solution is, how can I say it? It's missing the reality of sin from within. And I think that's a problem. I think there's something we have to think about. So, so I, I was thinking about all of those questions, but let's just go through, let's do, let's just do this just, just for, I just think this will be interesting. I don't know if we're going to find anything of, of great significance. I didn't have a chance to do this yesterday, but let's do this. So second Samuel chapter 11, verse two, and it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the King's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. 
Now, I'm just, I'm just interesting. I'm just interested to see what is the Hebrew word here. So 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, we'll grab the Blue Letter Bible app. Is there, is there any, does this offer any kind of interesting, is there any information here that goes beyond what we think the word's going to mean? I mean, I think we all have an idea of what we think it's going to mean. But let's do this. I'm going to go to Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, interlinear. I'm going to turn up the volume. Um, let's see here. And... And he saw, and he saw this Hebrew word. Strong's H, 7200. Ra'ah. 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 And it, it's used 1,313 times. 1,313 times. We could, we could spend a lot of time going through all of the places it's used. It's simply... It's, uh, its translation is to see literally or figuratively, all right? So in other words, it, it's, 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 I mean, there's a lot of things we could go here. I'm just going to go with biblical usage. To see, look at, inspect, perceive, consider. So it's, you can look at something, you can, you can inspect it, you can perceive it, you can consider it. To see, to see, perceive, to see, have vision, to look at, see, regard, look after, to see, observe, look at, give attention, to discern, to distinguish, to look at, to gaze at. So, I mean, this has a, a literal a seeing, a literal perceiving, a literal gazing, looking, discerning, and it has a figurative that you are being made aware of something, that you see something, not in a literal way, but in a figurative way. So there's nothing of great like, ooh, that, that, that gives me some great insight. I do think it's interesting that maybe in David's case, I think we would agree, it wasn't just a passing glance that he saw it. He looked upon it. He gazed upon it. He, he uh, watched. He looked. He, uh, he, to look, to regard, to look after, to learn about, to observe. Uh, to find out. I mean, that, that, that was a, it was more than just a passing glance. He saw and he gazed and well, then the problems began that I think, I think we could possibly look at it from that perspective. So, but it is fascinating that in the Bible, so many issues seem to arise from this way. I'm going to just go based off the, the Hebrew word here. I'm just going to go based off the Hebrew word here. Um, Okay, Genesis 3.6 uses the exact same Hebrew word. And when the woman saw, this is Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, speaking of Eve, when the woman saw, when Eve saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. So it started, started with when she saw, when she perceived the the tree, she perceived the fruit and what it would do. So it's going beyond, she actually saw it, but it was beyond just a, a that's, that's one that contains both concepts. Yeah, it's literal seeing, but it, that's, that literal seeing goes with the figurative idea of perceiving, perceived it, perceived all of the possible uh, pleasantness and benefit that would arise from it. And then that, well, in her particular case, there was no depravity inside of her. 
Genesis chapter 6, verse 2. Then the sons of God saw the daughters of man, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. They saw that the daughters of man, they were fair. They saw them. There was something pleasant. Again, a, a seeing, a seeing. And this would be a literal seeing, all right? Um, let's see where else we can go here. Um, I'm just looking through all of the places where this Hebrew word appears. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking here. Uh Genesis 12, 12. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. This is when Abram comes up with the idea that his wife needs to lie because they are going to see you, and it's going to create a problem. Um, the princess also of Pharaoh saw her, they see Sarai, and commanded her uh, before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. All right, so he saw he saw, and he was there. There was a desire. There was desire. Um, Genesis thirteen ten, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered uh, everywhere before the before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land uh, that cometh that uh, as thou comest unto Zoar. So he sees, he look, he beheld all the plain. He sees it. It's attractive. It's beneficial. It's beneficial. Therefore, he is drawn to it. All right. Uh, see, where else do we have here? There, there's a lot. I mean, over a thousand. Okay. Uh, Okay, uh, let's see here. Oh, there's so much. There's so much here. Hang on, I'm looking, I'm looking. I'm going to go to the next section, which is still Genesis. I'm going to close that. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to my notebook because there's so many here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my notebook and see if, if, if the ones I've written down in Genesis, if they have here. Um, listed, because I think there's a lot here. How about Genesis, I think, 34? Do they have that one mentioned here? Let me go here. Yes. Uh, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, Genesis 34, 2. And when Shechem, the son of Hamar, the Hivite, prince of the of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. He saw he 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 saw it was pleasant. He wanted and he took and well he there bad things obviously go down there. Uh, chapter thirty seven verse four. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. This is Joseph and his brothers. They saw, they perceived this perceiving, this seeing, this looking upon. And we could go scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. We could create a list here. So question, the danger of seeing is seeing dangerous. And what is the connection of seeing to our sin, and to temptation. Now, the, the, the way it typically, I think in the minds of most people, is like, there you sit, you're okay, you're fine. Like, you're almost like at this 
again, some people almost perceive this. You're almost at this neutral level spiritually. You're neutral. You may even, they may even almost act like you're innocent, almost as if you don't even have a sinful nature. And then all of a sudden you see something, you look upon something now, and then all of a sudden, boom, that creates the desire and the problem. And then sin arises. So you could have kept away from it if you simply did not see it and you did not perceive it. And I, I don't know that, that that takes when Jesus gave the instructions that, you know, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out is, is the answer. A lot of people think, see, the, the, that means just don't look at anything, right? So people, nobody believes very few people in church history would literally have interpreted that means that you literally cut off your hand or you literally gouge out your eye. We always understand that figurative as like, okay, whatever it is, then, you know, don't look upon it, you know, cut, cut off whatever it is that's causing you to sin. And again, that still makes it as if the danger is external and not internal. And I, I, I think that sometimes Christians get this wrong and we always see the, the, the threat is everything outside of us where I perceive the threat is inside of me. I, I perceive the greatest threat is internal, not external. Now I know you're saying, but the external is what makes the internal come alive. But you're telling me that if I cut off, you know, it, it, let's say I completely blind myself and I can't see and I completely cut off my hands. Are you telling me that that temptation would not still be inside of me? So what is the connection between seeing and sin? What is the danger in seeing? I'm going to throw out an idea here. You can tell me whether you agree or disagree. I think we I think we so simplify this that we think we have a formula. Don't see you're good to go. Don't hear and you're good to go. And I think the problem is inside of us. Is it the issue of seeing or is it the issue in how we see? Let me try to explain. Is the problem, is the problem this, when we see, right? We see whatever is that's pleasant. We see whatever is desirable. We see what will please the flesh, please us in some way, shape, or form, meet a physical need or a, a, an emotional need. We could go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which we've talked about in previous episodes. We see this thing that will, I think the need, the desire is already inside of us. Like the need and the desire is already inside of us. Then we see that which will fulfill it. And so at that moment, all we see is we, we feel the desire, we feel that that's inside of us, and we see what can supposedly fulfill that. So we all we see is what will satisfy the desire, and that's all we see. Our eyesight becomes very tunnel vision. All we can see is, is what's right in front of us. We see what will fulfill that desire or that need, and we go and take. Is the problem is that, and I'm going to, you can say see, look upon, saw, is the problem, is the problem is that our seeing is so, is our perception so tuned in to seeing things from a fleshly perspective that there's the problem, that our, our eyesight is fine-tuned, our perception is fine-tuned 
to a fleshly perception. In other words, we don't see it in light of eternity. We don't see it in light of the spiritual. We don't see it in light of God. That most of our seeing and most of our looking is simply a a fleshly activity, and we don't stop that perception and take that thought into captivity and then view that thing, that perception, in light of a spiritual perception. Is it the fact that we have such a fleshly perception that the fleshly perception overrides the spiritual reality? The spiritual reality would be, wait a minute, wait a minute, that will satisfy the flesh, that will satisfy that desire. But the heavenly perception is, however, that is a sin. It will not glorify God. There will be negative consequences. It will not please God. It will be a sin. It will create guilt. It will create shame. The wages of sin is death. We, 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 our, our eyesight, our perception is so fleshly that we, and it overrides the spiritual perception. In other words, if we had a more spiritual perception that override the fleshly perception, would, would then the danger be in seeing? In other words, if the heavenly perception was greater than the seeing perception, wouldn't then whatever we saw would be overridden by that heavenly perception? In other words, I think, I think our seeing is... It's, it's not what we see, it's how we see. We see it f- from just a fleshly perception in light of our desire and our needs. And we see in that, and then we're overcome with that. We don't, we don't take that seeing into captivity and go, wait a minute, what is a spiritual perception? What is a, what is a spiritual seeing? What is a spiritual looking upon this? And we forget, in a sense, God. Or am I making it too complicated and too deep? Yes, it would be wonderful that there was never anything that I could see, never anything I could hear, never anything I could look upon that would in any way, shape, or form spark sinful desires. But again, I think if I removed everything, I still think the same sinful desires would be present, but I would only be stuck with the desire. Maybe the issue is not that it's, it's not that I'm seeing that which creates the desire. I'm seeing that which will satisfy the desire. The desire is already there. I'm seeing the solution to the desire. I'm seeing this. I have this feeling. And whatever that feeling is, I'm seeing that which will satisfy that feeling or that desire. It's the issue. It's not that I see something that sparks the desire, but I see that which will fulfill the desire that is already present. Now, I know we can just reduce this that little eyes, be careful what you see. Little ears, be careful what you hear. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. That, that's, a, that's a very common thing. And I think, I don't know, I don't want to say that that's completely based on a semi-Pelagian understanding of humans, but it almost seems the denial of total depravity. 
total depravity tells me I need a, a different perception because that depravity is in me. Now, does, does what you see, in a sense, unlock that depravity and set it free or sparks that desire, sparks that hunger? I think, it's, I think the issue is that we see with such a fleshly perception that we don't stop to see it from a heavenly person. We're, we, we are so used to seeing everything from a fleshly perspective, we can't even see it from the heavenly perspective. And so the fleshly perspective outweighs the heavenly perspective. When Israel saw that there were giants in the land, they saw, they perceived. They were like, we're going back to Egypt. This is... This is crazy. They couldn't see. The, so they couldn't see. And here's the thing. If, if, we, if, if you just blame everything you see, well, at some point then, I mean, you're, you're going to have to just stay away from everything. The point is at any point you can perceive something that you that it's your responsibility to say, okay, I've got, I perceive this. What, how do I look at this? Israel was going to perceive the, the difficulty in life. They were either going to perceive it from a fleshly perspective or they needed to see those giants in light of the heavenly perspective, which is God God brought us to this point. God promised us that land. He will give us that land. But they could not see it from the heavenly perspective. They saw it from a fleshly perspective. Now, I'm not saying that we go out and look at that, which we know will generate a, a desire in it. But the, I think... We, we, we don't look at anything that's going to create a problem. I think, I think we can all agree upon that. I don't think we can put the responsibility on everyone else. I think that's not fair. I don't know. I'm just going to stop there. I'm just, I'm just throwing out all of these ideas. Now, I, I, I could go through like – we could almost turn it into a Bible study exercise and look up every verse that says they saw or they looked upon, they saw, they looked upon, or they they perceived. And then there is a direct correlation, it seems, between the seeing and the sinning. There, there seems to be no question about that. It happens, it seems to be time and time and time and time and time and time again in the scriptures. Once they perceive something, I'm just gonna, I, I know I'm going to end this with not really answers, but that's okay. I, I didn't come up with all the answers uh, sitting in the car either. Uh, I, I had to go back inside, which was interesting because I went back inside. And once we got to jury deliberations, I almost want to turn this into a podcast episode by itself. What I realized is that it's just amazing. All of us, so many people heard the exact same evidence and people's perception of what they heard was drastically different could go into, you know, hermeneutics and a discussion about that. But there you go. Danger of seeing. What is the connection between seeing and sin? How should we view it? Have we so simplified it? Have we, in in a sense, denied the depravity that lies from within? You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I'll stop right there. And uh, again, that's called The Danger of Seeing. You can find it on the Sermons 2.0 app. You can listen to it again and uh, 
Yeah, you can you can tell me what you. I just I'm just going to throw it out there to start a conversation. Sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't. Let me know what you think. All right, everyone, have a great day. We'll be back on the air shortly. God bless.